Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the 4th season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host Rory O'Kane and as always I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Oh hello Banjo, I'm still just uh, reeling from that 10 out of 10 episode of Game of Thrones last night. How, how good was it? Yeah, not a not a laughing matter, Scott. Oh, it was a laughing matter. I, I thought it was hilarious. It was I, I honestly that was the most disappointing hour of television I've ever seen by a long, long way. Good thing it was only an hour and a half long. Then. Mate, I am so I am so depressed at the moment. I mean, Melbourne effectively. You did lost. have a shocking. Week, Let's be didn't honest. You? Frio lost when I expected them to win. I suppose you lost. That, that there's a positive. Yeah, saving grace. Lost in fantasy. Bloody Philly we, got knocked we out in a half. At least had an honourable oh. loss. We weren't embarrassed. So that. that Musting a little bit. What what is it with me and just picking miserable sporting teams? I just just nothing ever works out for me. I mean, okay, so Mel- ex- let's go through it. Melbourne, you had no choice, so you're not culpable. For yeah, that. yeah, that's your dad's fault. Yeah, but then I attach myself to Fremantle. Yeah, that one is your fault. <laughs> that was my second team. That was a what 2010 decision. Sort of when Ross Lyon went over. Yeah, there. it was pretty much as Ross Lyon went yeah. there. That I really started right right when you needed some moral. Um, some real moral support. And they were, like, they were good then. Yeah. Like, that's where that, it came from. That's understandable. From. It's backfired, but it was understandable. Yeah. Uh, Philly, that'll be fine. You know, you don't <laughs> worry about that. I'm this, I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, um, thank you, because I, I wouldn't know. I know nothing yeah. about it. So it's good to hear that. <laughs> you'll be fine. Uh, who else? Is there any other... Well, your fantasy, your fantasy seasons. Well, that's yeah, that, that's, yeah that's, that's that's my fault. Yeah. I can't complain about that too much. I'm sure there are ones. I swear, I've just got this like weird subconscious masochism. I, I don't know, yeah, but uh, this Australian cricket team's been a bit shit lately too. So that shitting, watching crap TV shows, it's probably fair to do with yeah, it as well. Still, that one's so, not on you. I can't really <laughs> blame myself for that. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into another podcast. Uh, podcast 99, it is as well. Yeah, it so, is. Uh, Who would have thought we'd do this 99 times? I, I, that's actually... Certainly not. That's really. actually frightening. Uh, doing it once was a big enough deal for I me. I should go look at... I think SoundCloud tells us how many hours of podcasts we've got. That'd be scary. Because <laughs> like we've these at yeah, least no, go for an hour, so we are at least at a... Hundred hours. A bit of prep time goes into it as well, but it wouldn't be the ninety ninth gold jacket, green jacket. I think we took a few episodes. It'll be around the ninety fifth. I suspect. No, that's too much. I was going to say we we go back and mark where every segment debuted, but. That's too much. There's, there's no way we're going to be doing that. But anyway, <laughs> on to the 95th or something version of Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title of the segment derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit? And mm-hmm. we give three, two, and one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Couple of obvious ones this week. One vote's a bit stiff. One yeah. vote we're giving Collingwood defeated Carlton by 19 points. And yeah, good game of footy. Let's give people an insight. Uh, this was a tie originally. Uh, between this yes. game and the North game. Yes, and you're And then biased. I'm a tiebreaker. So <laughs> it obviously went the way I wanted it to go. Yeah. But very, very good game. Yeah, both of those two games were actually like quite similar. Ended up being a similar sort of margin. Both were good games of footy. Yeah, decided on reports was the yeah. end result. But uh, there were significant parts in this game where it did look like Carlton might win it. Oh, Carlton had this surge in the last quarter where Cripps just put them on the back for two goals, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is going to happen." That was a thing, though. Of like the start of the last quarter, it looked like it was going to be Collingwood's game. Yeah. They looked like they had the legs, and then it was Cripps. Like yeah. it was literally Cripps got about three clearances, including one good. goal. Yeah, and it was like, oh. Oh, oh, hold on a second. Maybe Carlton are a chance and then just kind of went back to what it was. So, like, it was when once you look back on it in hindsight, it becomes a little gold yeah. jacket, green jacket, because you're like, look, oh, Collingwood were probably always going to win it. They won it comfortably Didn't feel enough. feel that way in the moment, though, did But, it? yeah, no, it was and a really good game like, footy. The 19-point margin is flattering to Collingwood. I, well, no, it's not so much flattering to Collingwood. It's really unflattering to Carlton. Yeah, They, they, yeah, they played that. like they were within a kick for most of the game. Like, they were all over them at times. And they sort of, it was back to, they've had one week where they were awful. That was last week. Against yeah. North. They've legit, apart from the that, they've, been good. they've legitimately been good. Yeah. And I, I've said this before. I find this one of the most fascinating little periods for a football club. Mm. This, this kind of, this last it's year. as you feel like you're coming out of a rebuild and supporters go through that, like you almost like bipolar situation yeah, of being yeah, like, I kind of want to be excited about him, but you know, we're still losing. And, yeah. You don't know. It's, it's every club. It's when they spark the honourable loss debate. When is it okay to have yep. an honourable loss? When I, I is love too the debate. Much? I find it fascinating because I don't think there's an answer. And I don't think, no matter how much time you spend watching footy, you're still not going to know. No, sometimes exactly. it seems to be important, an honourable loss. Sometimes this, it doesn't. This one, I think, is a good honourable loss. Like, there's no shame in this one. 
there are honourable options. Like, there's context involved, but Carlton were awesome. Their kids stood up pretty well. I'm like, there is a lot to look forward to. They just shouldn't have traded their first. Pick. Also, um, just on the old honourable loss thing, there's definitely been a big push from Bolton recently to be as grumpy as he can in press conferences. He started recently. Yeah, did you see he him got, this week? Yeah, he got asked a question about like he's positives, like, and he's like, I don't feel comfortable talking yeah. about positives because we're so disappointed. Very different to that, old mate Brendan. That is a learnt behaviour too because he's just been slagged for yeah. three years for yeah. being too positive. Yeah, saying I'm falling in love with my players, which was a very weird comment. Yeah, but, but like it wasn't the only one either. But he's <laughs> like, a weird guy guy and if that's his thing and he's got there being a weird guy he, he would have been like that as a coach coming up through the ranks if you're yeah. a weird dude use it, it it is easier to be a weird dude at Hawthorne when you're winning three flags in a row yes correct so, like <laughs> I, I kind of get what he's trying to achieve it is a bit of a shame because yeah. I'd like see, to see him. he was good fun he was something different was, those five wins he had at Hawthorne were just great oh, he was the best <laughs> he was the best but anyway let's uh, move on from that so, although it was good it was just a gold jacket green jacket game Two votes. Melbourne defeated Gold Coast by a point. Mate, this felt like a 120-point so loss. You didn't deserve to win. No. And I'm happier with a reasonably comfortable loss from my own team. This is a great result for me overall. I, I think a draw would have been a good result because I don't think either team deserved yeah. to win. It was a disgusting game of footy. The game was on our terms for the four quarters. We were the team. We, were the, we had more of it in the contest. We yeah, felt like, like we were dictating it, but we were just so, so bad with our skills. That's the story of your season though. Like, <sighs> it, was pretty, it was pretty much a mirror. You were winning contested ball and super inefficient when you went inside 50. They, the amount of intercept marks they had was scary. Like, Sam Collins. He is very good. And a lot of those, in like in fairness, a lot of those were just really good strong Yeah, that's marks. true. But there were also a lot that weren't. Oh, <laughs> there, there were a lot of disgusting moments. But this, like I've said in the past, I, I, I sometimes get annoyed at uh, people watching footy. I reckon it's a real nuffy thing just looking at games and being like, just the skills were bad. They just kept couldn't hit a target. A lot of the time, I think there's a lot of more reasons for that being structures, etc. that causes yeah. that to happen. And for most of Saying this year... Saying the skills are bad is the dumb, smart thing to say. No, no, no. Let, let me continue my point. For most of this year, I do think it's largely been a structural thing from us. I don't think that was the case this week. I actually thought our systems going forward looked better. There were a lot of situations where we had free men. There were a lot of times when we had mm. players actually leading at the ball. Usually it was Melksham, so he's missing now, which isn't yes. great. But there was a lot more sort of hitting up at the ball, pe- people working into space at the back. We were good on the switch a few times. There were a few yeah. times when we looked like we had something going, and then we just found a way to stuff it up. Like I think this was a simple yeah, skills your, thing. Your structure worked, except it didn't didn't give any separation in sort of that deep forward position. You were fine the higher up the ground you went, but and you weren't picking out targets at sort of the 45 metres out position to compensate, but it was always a two-on-one deep. Like, Gold Coast were just sagging someone real deep. I reckon if you went back and looked at some of the highlights, I think you'd be amazed how many times it was... We, we'd set up in a way at which it looked like we had a goal on, and it was a goal that should have been kicked. And, and you're describing just found a way to highlights. <laughs> you look back on the the lights <laughs> of the game. Um, but, God, that, that finished, though, like... It was I one mean, of the most incredible things it, I've ever seen. It was, it was the only way that game could finish. Harms gets into space. You think, yep, we've done it. We've done it. He's going to kick a score. We're going to do it. Shanks it. You're like, oh, no, but it's all right. Tom McDonald has an uncontested mark. Drops the mark. Fumbles at a ground level. Sockers it into the post. Off his knee. Game over. Like, <laughs> oh, it was... Like, it just summed up the game. So, when they kicked their goal with 49 seconds left to go up by a kick, should not have been a goal at all. The um, you'd gotten so lucky when the umpire called it back instead of letting advantage go because yeah. they were out and that slowed the game down. He had to yeah, run his fifty this, meters or whatever yeah. afterwards, and you should have been back. Except he just ran and kicked oh, it for a goal. They, they, that like, was embarrassing. In fairness, dirty Marty Hoare's uh, goal was nice. That yeah, was no, the only. No, that was the, that was the one moment where it was like, ooh, that was the only time throughout the entire game. That, yeah. Oh god. Oh, God, it was bad. Let's move on. I don't want to keep talking about this rubbish. (laughs) On to the three-vote game. West Coast defeated St Kilda by 18 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah, not a whole lot to say about (laughs) it. I I said to you when I was going through gold jacket, green jacket, I was like, huh, 
West Coast and Kilda. I didn't even realize that game happened, to be honest with you. And I still don't really. I mean, I know West Coast won by 18 points, which was kind of expected. I, yeah, it was. I don't know anything else that happened in that it game. It was sort of a five goal game for a lot of it. That a late charge from St. Kilda made it a little interesting. Yeah, you said it was an okay quality, didn't you? Yeah, it was fine. It was a couple of cracking goals. Shane Savage kicked an absolute. It's playing well at the moment, the, uh, Savage. From the boundary, running on his right to the outside. Uh, his right side was on the boundary and kicked a check side goal. And then Billings kicked another cracker as well. It was, there was a couple of moments, but yeah, okay. that's about it. Yeah, fair enough. Are we going to bother talking about it anymore or just, just move on? Uh, like It's more the same from West Coast where they're just not there. But they're getting the job done enough to give them a chance to get it right. Yeah. That's where they're at. And this was a game away from home and you think, yeah, maybe they could, could they miss this one and they're, just, they're finding the a way. Side. Like, they're a dangerous side, yeah. yeah then then they're not an embarrassing side to beat in a close game. Like Yeah. It's not like Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not even that embarrassing to lose to for most teams. But yeah, Gold Coast just did enough. They didn't look great doing it again and you do start to wonder when did it, if they don't turn it around sort of around that buy period, it might never click for them. So they're doing enough, but they're not... Yeah, they're, they're staying in their season. They're hoping they click at some yeah. point, which they, they obviously can. It's, not, we'll it's generally not a uh, recipe for success to go back-to-back. Back. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, it's never easy to do that. No, let's move on. We've got the Cane Corns Call of the Week, where we look at a big call from the media that really needs some interrogation. This week, we've gone with... Oh, they make a couple of our own as well. This week, we've got Jeff Kennett with, I think, the greatest call... <laughs> <laughs> Possibly ever. It's normally um, a media person, but this was too I good think to ignore. Technically counts. He's done enough media where I'm just willing to accept him. Uh, look, I'll, we'll I'll pay it. Yeah, we'll, I'll say we've bent the rules, not broken them. It just it, it's too good to to miss. So he's he's put his conspiracy theory hat on. He goes, <laughs> the AFL have quite deliberately put together a schedule that does not help Hawthorne. It is costing us this year between five hundred thousand and a million in lost revenue over last year. He also continued on. This is say, where it gets real. They bad. must sit around the table at the AFL trying to think of ways to weaken our club. <laughs> that's, that's where it gets real bad. I mean, there's a couple of elements to him saying this stuff. The first is you do get annoyed about the fact that he's having a big bitch about how Hawthorne are treated. They've where, give, been given the biggest silver spoon yes, ride yeah, possible over the last decade. I, I can handle that aspect of it, though, just in the sense that yeah, he you, knows he has influence, he knows he can talk. And if he has a big bitch oh, yeah. about it... I was it, just talking more about their fixture, where if the AFL's guiding lines is to... The, the AFL's guiding light when it comes to fixturing is not equity. It is revenue rate. Yes, correct. And yeah. they've been in a position where they they draw ratings and they get big crowds because they're good. Yeah. And that, that's fine. I disagree with the core principle of how you structure a fixture, but it's still fine. The idea that they trying to weaken their club. Yeah, it's just it's, unbelievable. It, it's the idea that he took it to that next level of actually trying to make a conspiracy of it is an intentional thing to try to hurt a football club. And that it's a consistent thing. What has ever happened to Hawthorne that's been bad? Yeah. They've had the greatest 50-year run imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> How can you be having a bitch now? Mate, you're like the biggest conspiracy theorist I know when it comes to the AFL, and even you don't think there's anything to this. You just think that they're trying to screw over North. There are, like, in all honesty, there are a list of teams that have been hard done by by the AFL. North Melbourne, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> Sydney, with the some of the Cola stuff, the way it was handled. Is well, cool. some would argue they were yeah, agreed. over-treated and they, well. They, but I think the way they pulled it back was may not. It was pretty brutal, yeah. yeah. Uh, sort of same with GWS with their thing. I think the Dogs and St Kilda have the same problems we do with... Uh, putting us in dead fixtures that don't really allow those clubs to grow. And I think that's a structural issue and a philosophical issue at AFL headquarters. I don't think that's a conspiracy to individually target any of those clubs. Eddie always has a big bitch about how Collingwood just put all this money into propping up other teams. Like revenue comes back to the AFL and then it just helps out other teams. Eddie is an idiot. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's, like, there's an element of it truth is the to least to- No, it's not. It's the least holistic view you'll ever see. Yes. Like, yes, it's just I know. Dumb. And you know what really annoys me? Eddie Maguire, this is a tangent, but it's not relevant at all. <laughs> just having a but bitch I about know, presidents today. I know today. his broader views on society are markedly different, like, politic, like economically speaking. He, he's a 
He's in favour of wealth redistribution stuff. He's a left-wing... Yeah, yeah, guy. okay, okay, and That is okay. completely contradictory with how he... All right, Banjo, we're getting way too stuff. political. Stop trying to make us plebs on politics. You know I will never have anything to do with that. No, just the conflict. And anyway, Jeff Kennett, idiot. Yeah, complete idiot. That, that, that's that's an unbelievable call. It's, it's delirium Can is what that is. Can you believe we had a conversation about Jeff Kennett saying things and the political thing I brought up was not about Jeff <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Terrible premier, though. Yeah. We're, Sold we're, off too many schools. We're having a weird pod. We're definitely <laughs> having a weird pod. Anyway, my Kane Corns big call of the week. Uh, not Melbourne-related again, or maybe it kind of is, but not really. Jared Witts, the uh, Gold Coast Ruckman, I think he is the third most underrated player in the competition. Now, I mean, we all know for a fact one is Jeddah, two is Walters. That's just Highly a, a given in the competition. So we'll put them aside. Apart like, from them... Even your order's wrong. Walters is more underrated than... No, you're Jeddah. wrong. Nifty is the most underrated player in the comp. But that, that's not the point Australian of this call. He shouldn't have been. Let that it, is not underrated. Let it go, Banjo. All right, <laughs> let it go. Apart from those two, Wits is the most underrated player in the competition. He is leading the hitouts in the competition yeah, by he's quite a margin good. at the moment. Went toe to toe with Max. And I really believe a lot of his uh, defensive efforts, his body work around the stoppages, I reckon that's a major reason why Gold Coast have become. A much more competitive it's a bit team this Mumford-esque, year. Mumford-esque, isn't it? The a bit Mumford, a bit cruiser. A bit, yeah, it brings a physical presence that really sort of elevates the contested nature of that club. Yeah, he, he's not a hitouts to advantage ruckman, but he's getting his hands on it a lot. He's negating the other ruckman. They had more hitouts than Melbourne this week, mm. um, which is like, like even though we've been terrible, I don't even think that's happened this year. We've always had the most hitouts, um, <laughs> and then yeah, just at once the ball hits the ground, he's just a big body, he makes the other kids stand up a bit taller, and he makes them just a more competitive outfit. And I think that's a reason why they've been in so many more games. I'd, big tick to Jared Witts. He's been completely ignored. No one has mentioned him, and he's he's killing it. Yeah, that's very true. I'm a pretty big fan of the way Gold Coast have tried to go about it, about building their club for the second time, and Witts is a. He's pretty emblematic of that. They've it's the sort of to, players which GWS went for, for yeah. early on. Like, yeah, they needed some maturity in their football club yeah. from a physical perspective and from like a footy-hardened perspective and also probably from a cultural perspective as well. And they've brought in quite a few guys. And even they've had some lesser lights sort of grow up into that role. Um, Holman, who nearly kicked the winner against you, is sort of an example mm. of that as well. He's from the Blues originally, but was not old when they cut him or anything. And he he's just a big effort guy. He's in the DeBoer mould and that kind of yeah workmanlike injection into the club makes th- it a real club, which I think that probably lacked for... I thought I I, I, I I thought the Miles get was a real good one. It hasn't yeah. quite worked out so far, but that, he's that's been okay. Yeah, he's been okay, but um, that's the that, that's the sort of mm. way they're looking I'm at. I'm a it. big fan of Josh Corbett too. I don't mind. Don't know him. who he is, but anyway. <laughs> he did pretty well against. <laughs> What's your one, Banjo? I don't even understand <laughs> your one. I'd... Yeah, my mind needs a bit of discussion. So I've gone with Ablett not getting suspended this week is Michael Christian giving up on his job. Like, I definitely get the gist of what you're saying, but what do you mean giving up on his job? He's just given up that he's going to be able to do it because the tribunal's just undercut him ah, too many times. Ah, that's the angle that's you're the going angle. with. <laughs> this was the exact same thing as last week. Probably, worse isn't the right word, but last week Ablett got off because he said it was careless, not intentional. That was how he defended himself. I don't think there's an argument you can possibly make that what he did this week wasn't intentional. No, but I I think you're missing the point, Banjo. I think, so, he still got fined last week. He still got cited for it. He got fined and they said it was careless. And therefore, he didn't get a week. Yeah. Where this week, he got off based on insufficient force. But I don't it, think you did I, I, a... I, I, th- the issue, the, I agree with you that it's really odd that this has been graded so differently to what it was last I, week. Because looking at him there... I'm not wanting to have his rulings taken to the track. But then why didn't he find him? Why didn't he give him the exact same thing they gave him last week? That, that's what it should have fallen. I know oh, it should not have been careless. Well, if he got fined last week, if they looked at that incident and gave it a fine, he should have looked at it and graded it the same way because that precedent has now been set by the tribunal. The, think, the odd thing was that he went with insufficient force, I which he it was no less force than the previous week. He guns and done the exact same charge he laid last no, but that, week. No, but, it, no, but the up. idea of the system is that the tribunal is a higher body. So they say, no, this is how it was. And then he's meant to go with that from then on. But he's just I, gone I on a completely the, different path. The tribunal has been just... Poorly managed for the last 
I don't know, year and a bit. Every single decision they've made has gone the way of the player. There's not a balance there of what there should be. Look, yeah, like and like that's... How, how did Fife get off without a charge? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I find that surprising as well. Yeah, but so he just doesn't want to have things taken to the tribunal because he's not going to get a result. It makes him look bad, and that's an understandable reaction. This isn't a gold, Michael Christian. <sighs> makes him look bad. No, I don't think that's an understandable reaction. Like, that's that's really really bad if he's taking that into account. Well, I think the the AFL has not helped him at all because the tribunal obviously don't follow the same guidelines as what he follows. Well, I mean, they, they do follow the same guidelines. They do it within the same guidelines. But yes, at the moment, it does seem like they're laying down very different outcomes to him, which means like, that's not a great system. They should largely be on the same track. And then yeah. occasionally it's, no, that's a real stuff up, Michael. But yeah. it doesn't really seem like that's what's happening. I told you the MRO wouldn't work, mate. I told you it was a terrible idea yeah. having one person in charge. Yeah, it, I agree with you. It was you. a ridiculous concept. It was never going to work. Anyway, but that's, let's move on. That was less inflammatory for you than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> thought you were really going to have a go. But uh, Essendon lost to Sydney. I read that the wrong way around by five points. <laughs> um, Dane Rampy is the talk. Yeah, surprising <laughs> results, but uh, very even more surprising actions by a very strange human being. <laughs> like, what was he? Like, I, I don't even care about the whole should it have been a free kick thing. I, I mean, think it would have been stiff to overturn the entire result. I like, yeah, I agree with that. With but the that, letter of the law, it probably should have been a free kick, though. Uh, look, I, I, I don't Certainly know. shouldn't have been a warning. Was That's, that what they Yeah, the umpire it? said, get down. <laughs> if you've noticed that something's wrong, you have to judge it. But it's like, either fine the or The rule it's that not. they're trying to pin him under is intentionally shaking the post. He wasn't intentionally shaking he the post. He absolutely was. And the, the definition of intent, that was not his intention. He was climbing the post, overly touched the ball. Again, he shouldn't be able to do that, and so there should be a rule against that. my intention was to kick you, and I kicked you, but then you felt pain, am I not intentionally causing you pain? <laughs> It is a direct consequence that is you have to foresee. But I don't. I no. I don't. But that's not his mind. Wouldn't have turned to that. He wouldn't be thinking you know about why? shaking the post. He didn't know the rule. Anyway, I don't even care. When I looked at the incident, my first thought was, "Oh, interesting. It should have been a free kick." My first thought was, "Dane Ramp, you are a very, very strange person. Like, what a yeah. weird thing to do. <laughs> Whose mind does that enter in that moment? I should climb the I really the post. enjoyed the, his technique as well. <laughs> He's just sort of like frogged up. And it was really but, like, great. What did he think was going to happen? That he was going to get up there and touch the ball and everything would be fine and he'd get touched and like, what went through his head? Yeah, honestly, can't give you anything. It makes even that. less sense than Daenerys' decisions in Game of Thrones to destroy her entire kingdom. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it looks fair <laughs> enough, but um, it's really disappointing result for Essendon if yeah. we're going to talk about All the right. football. <laughs> All right, we probably should get onto that a little bit. Uh, look, I, I really, I do not think Essendon are great. Um, no. And I've talked to this to death, but the, the best teams... They have a base level that comes about through having a real solid system in place yep. that you put in place week in, week out. When you have a good system, you can have off weeks. You can have weeks where your skills aren't great, when your effort's not quite there. But if you have the systems in place, you can find ways to win those mm. games. That's not Essendon. Essendon are banking in on doing amazing things. it's not things. really a talent issue. No, not at all. On, on talent, they, they have an extremely talented list. In terms of like X-factor talent, yeah. like ooh, quite possibly the best Orazio. in the comp. Oh, what'd you Tipper, make of the Tipper, McKenna, Saad. Fantasia or Fantasia? Oh, I don't really care, to be honest. No, but Brian was quite racist with the way you addressed it. I'm going to pronounce it my way because I'm me and I can. It is funny, though. I enjoy it. It gives me a laugh. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, gap between Eston's best and their worst is far too big, and that comes about through the way that they're trying to play the game. Yeah, I think I got a bit seduced by how good they looked when they played North, which I think definitely says more about how bad we were on that day than how good Essendon oh, But worked. no, but they can look that good. Yeah. When it works for them, it's brilliant. And, they, and but the, uh, my, I got seduced by that moment. Yeah, okay. And like, that's not sustainable for them to play because it's two years in a row that they've been up and down. All yeah. over the place. Yeah, their ability to put the foot down and kill a game in a few seconds with the way that they play is outstanding, like absolutely brilliant. But when it's not quite working for them, mm. they don't have a lot to fall back on. And I think they're just backing in their backline, which has been good. Their backline has been very yeah, good. Yeah, and it is talented. Hurley and Hooker, um, but they're, they're just they're backing them into too bigger extent, and they mm. just leave them completely vulnerable, and they'll have bad games. Yeah, and there will be 
sides that can take advantage of it, and that's been shown. Really good result for Sydney, though. Yeah. Like, I think they're really ordinary, and to beat a side that is at worst decent yeah. is good. I think we're getting to the point where we were genuinely looking at them as like, they'll be bottom four. They might even be a chance for the spoon. Maybe they still are, but this this sort of win well, is... Well, uh, John Ralph had a panic attack that they might get the number one overall pick and said clubs were spewing over it, which I don't know how you can be upset about bad teams getting the highest draft pick after that's the, been the, the, the bottom team getting the highest. Years. Yeah, there's still this weird thing going around. Oh, like Lloyd, he said last week on Access All Areas that he thinks... Oh, no, it was, no, it was uh, Wayne Carey said yeah. that he thinks Sydney are the best 1-6 and six team he's ever seen. That was fast. I think that's unbelievable. I think they have clearly been That was going to a be a the Kane Corns take until Jeff Kennett said something yeah. Again. obnoxiously Exactly, stupid. but they, they belong They belonged at 1-6. and six. That's the way that they were playing. Um, yeah. And they've got another win now, and good also, on them. Also, they and made finals from 1-6 and six before. Yes, exactly. They were a much better team then than they are oh. now. That, that makes no sense at all. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Western Bulldogs defeated Brisbane by 16. Ah, another good result for it's me. Oh, not for another me. good result. Finally, a good <laughs> result for me to get excited about. Uh, I tipped the doggies. You did. You tipped Brisbane. I surprise, did. surprise. I think you tipped Brisbane pretty comfortably as well, didn't you? I think by four goals or something. Yeah, I, I definitely bought into the uh, the Ballarat thing. Yeah. I, I thought the dogs that are... That was a big difference, I think. Although the dogs are quick, they like a scrap... They like it to they're be scrappy, quick, aren't they? Yeah, exactly yeah. what they are. They like a bit of contest there, and then they're kind of quick in the way that they get it out, and then they get going from there. But they like and a good scrap. Not really Where Brisbane are more quick, they sort of flick it out. Yeah, exactly. Where yeah. Brisbane are more sort of clean, quick that they actually get a real good like smooth mm. movement going. And when you get into a bit of cold and it becomes a bit of a slog, I really thought that the dogs would come out on top, which they did. Yeah, uh, Aaron Norton. Really good, mate. Have you given up yet? Is it time? Is it backtrack time? Is it? No, he's got to do Ooh. it for more than two weeks in a row. This is a positive step. <sighs> you um, you looked a lot closer then. Huh? I reckon you were leaning towards conceding then. No. You're, no, get, no, you're no, getting no, close. No. Harris Andrews played really well on him for a half, and then Norton got going. So look, Did it on one of the best defenders in the comp. Does it for another month. I'll turn After last week, there was no defenders. Richmond don't have any defenders. Now, Harris Andrews one of the best defenders in the comp. Plays yeah, very well again. I think I've heard he had an illness or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caleb was a little bit more disappointing. Yeah. Uh, look, he had a quiet one, but I that's all right. I heard talk about that being new to Suckling and Johannesson being in the team and his ball use is a little less of a focal point when both those guys are playing, which might be true. They do have a lot of halfbacks, like a weird amount of halfbacks. Yeah. Even though like, Richards plays there a bit at times, they have a yeah. lot of... How many teams have three to four genuine like halfback flankers? It's quite odd. I don't even know how they fit them all in. Like, I believe North probably played three to four genuine half. Like, Pittard's a halfback flanker. McMillan's a halfback flanker. Sam Wright, I guess, is a halfback flanker. You know, the Luke dogs McDonald's ones are a lot are, better. Yeah, but. <laughs> like I'm definitely not arguing that. Although Jasper didn't miss a target, 100% efficiency on the weekend. Yeah, he's looking good for my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's enough discussion about the actual teams. Let's get into the another exciting and action-packed Billy Gowers watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Oh, mate, the stats. Five kicks, one handball, two marks. Five tackles! Five tackles. Zero goals, two. The tackles, though, that's a can big I, improvement on Billy. I don't want to be I, I don't want to be accused of sacrilege again, so I'm just going to say no comment. You're Leave not even... You. You're not even saying anything during Billy Gower's watch, are you? Mate, he's getting the if forward pressure back. This week it was in, you know, as I said, it was quite tough conditions. Pressure was really important and he when decided... When I was a young boy, my parents told me that if you don't have anything nice to say, say nothing at all. Fine, <laughs> but but you can get around his five tackles. I think that'd be his highest tackle count of the year. He's starting to show a bit of forward pressure and that's something which he needs to add to his game. And he's, he's uh, just, whoa, 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 whoa. He's just saying he needs to add something to his game. He's just focusing extra on... that he's not perfect. No, but he's been so damn good in other areas. It hasn't been front of mind. Oh. He's now trying to focus on that a little bit more. You heretic. Oh, come on. You're the man who says I'm not going to speak during Billy Gower's watch. This is becoming quite a controversial segment, isn't it? We're just... It's getting a little tough. Fighting every week, aren't we? 
It's getting uh, a little tough. Now nah, we're um, sticking with it forever. <laughs> yeah, Never give it up. You have nothing at all to say about Brisbane. <laughs> just because you didn't say anything <laughs> before you got to Billy Gower's watch. Um, just want to check before we move on. I, I don't personally. Did you want to say anything? But Cluggage was awesome in the first half and that's about it. All right. That's that's enough takeaways for Brisbane for now. We've been we've talked a lot about Brisbane this year. Even though they've been in gold jacket, green jacket every week. They weren't in no, it this That's week. Gold Coast, all right? Gold oh, Coast's always we, in it. I think if we did an audit, they'd be... Pretty common. Oh, I don't Pretty know. I don't know. Let's get to the showdown. Adelaide defeated Port by 20 points. This was probably the worst showdown in five years, and it wasn't that bad a game. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, do you remember the showdown last year? We've had issues with this in the past. Remember you had that weird when we talked about the showdown once last year, and you just like refused to talk? Do you remember that? Not at all. <laughs> it was a weird. You just like shut down on me. So let's actually talk no, I just about have the nothing showdown. To say, or was I angry? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, but main takeaway out of this game, and it's been building for a little while. Clear, clear change in game style from Adelaide. They used to be one of the more free flowing. Uh, yeah. energetic teams going around. They were Super all about... precise. They yeah, were really cutting. Yeah, real forward... Yeah, ball movement. They'd been one of the high-scoring teams a couple of years ago. And then, like, played in that way last year as well and early this year. Uh, hadn't been working for them. They're, they've kind of done what Melbourne have been trying to do in terms of they're just getting player behind the ball now. They're getting a lot of players mm. around the contest. Back they're making the it... Numbers. Yeah, they're line. making a real slog of a game. And we've kind of talked about it before. It might work quite well with their midfield because yeah. although they've always had good... They've had good ball movement because of their forward structure has been so good and that their and forward their line really... on in transition works really well too. Yeah. It has worked really well. They get a lot of uncontested marks through the middle of the ground with their midfielders. Yeah, but That's sort of dried up a little bit. They're now with a, they've got a lot of tough inside mids who like a bit of a bit of a scrap and they're... Starting to win games going that way. And it's uh, they're the sort of wins when you start playing that way and you start really going hard throughout a game and getting the result in the end. It's the sort of thing that can really like lift a team because yeah, you start getting spirit. It builds your confidence. So you get a bit arrogant about the way you can win games and you start to think we've got this throughout every slog. And teams need confidence to get through tight games. And, and Adelaide have clearly had some issues from a cultural point of view for a while. So like, mm. it just feels like there's a bit of belief building in the club again. And maybe eventually the shackles will come off a little bit and they'll start playing the way they have. But Part of it has to be because their forward line just isn't as good anymore though. But do you, I believe it's possible... Like which player in their forward line is playing as well as they were two years no, ago. No, I agree. But and they lost that, Charlie Cameron. That doesn't well. mean those players can't play that way again. I mean, I think but you can make the argument. Old. Yeah, I think your best argument's going to be Eddie because he's just old. Yeah, well, and then they, there's Tex as well because he's had a lot of injuries. But, like, but like, Eddie, Jenkins can be good again when he gets back in. Yeah, but Jenkins... Lynch is a good player. Jenkins definitely was a product of their ball movement. Like, his best football was a lot better because they were really, Fair. really good at yeah. moving the ball. But, like, Eddie's old now. Like he's played 300 games. He's actually old now. And they lost Charlie Cameron. They don't have the electric small forwards they used to. That really gave them, I know, that spark in the forward line. Now yeah. it's a bit plain. Like, Tex Walker can lead up and kick a long goal. But what else do they have that's really dynamic outside of the one in a million Eddie Betts goal? Yeah, I, I feel like that could be a thing where we're just buying into the, the form of the team at the moment. Yeah, maybe. And I, in my head, I would think, I would assume that this is not a thing of uh, Don Pike saying, we're just going to play this way from now on. I, I would look at it and think he's like, we're not playing that well. We're leaking a bit. It's kind of a stopgap. Mm. Let's just start playing a bit more defensively, try to get some results going, and then hopefully we can build some form from there. Um, but like, I might be wrong. He might just become a Ross line. Who knows? But uh, that, that's yeah, definitely well, what they're doing at the moment. I, I, I doubt this is as... As long-term a defensive shift as what Ross Lyon implies. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I suspect that it's just a way of getting through in the short term. Uh, Port Adelaide had, look, a lot of outs. Yeah. A lot of and it was It got to the point where I thought this was going to be a, a really interesting showdown. Which way will it go? But by the time selection came down, you were like, yeah. Adelaide should win this. And Ebert's out for another week. Wines out for a month. Yeah, Wines is out for a while, yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's not going to be reinforced all that quickly. And a lot of their good work, where I thought they were a finals team, sort of hinges on how well they play over this month. Because if they make it through well, if they yeah. sort of scrap a few wins, they'll probably make finals. Yeah. But it's going to be tough for them. And yeah. 
this was an example of that they just didn't quite have the talent. Yeah, they don't have players out for the season. They have players yeah. out for a period of time. And if they can find a way to win some games through that, I think Very they'll be fine. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I feel like it's a bit of short-term pain at the moment and they just have to kind of find a way through the mire. But uh, you wouldn't be... You wouldn't be gutted as a Port Adelaide supporter. I mean, you would be because it was a showdown, but taking that out, uh, I think you kind of would have expected it going in. Let's move on to our top five. We're doing the top five kids, which is just rising star eligible players. Yeah, Um, which we've talked a lot this year about how blown away we are by the rising star stocks. I I, I really do think people. it's one of those positive stories that people talk about every year. They always say, how good is the rising star group this year? I think this one really is. Yeah, a lot of them are sort of... They're they're sort of stock stories that you can just write once a year to... Generate a bit of excitement and positivity, yeah. But I I really do feel like this year has been at another level to what what it has been recently. But uh, Agreed. Can I get started with my honourable yeah, mention? go ahead. Oh, you've got an honourable mention. Yeah, well, I, I really wanted to put him in because I've seen this guy play once and it was really, really good. <laughs> uh, I've got Petrocelli in as an honourable mention. Uh, I like He's one of those players I've heard about a lot and I've seen highlights of him and it's been yeah. exciting. And then I watched one game and, it was and he kicked five. So I'm thinking like, man, this guy's amazing. But when you really sit down and look at the stats, he's... He's a little bit off the other yeah, five, but I just week, wanted to mention Last him. week you said, I, one team I really need to watch more of is West Coast, to really peg where they're at. And then this week you said, I didn't even realise West Coast played this week. <laughs> so I was going to push back a little bit if you yeah, were talking fair enough. as though you'd seen a lot of him. Fair uh, enough. My honourable mention, now that I think of it, we'll go to Charlie Constable. Super stiff. Ooh, uh, he's, pretty, he's in mine. Pretty similar to his uh, selection in Geelong's one <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah. Constantly stiff. <laughs> and he's, he's stiff because... Of his others being stiffed by the club. That's the reason yeah. why you don't have him in there. Oh, he, and, and if he played every game, he would be in there. Yeah, and, and I'm being biased, which we'll get to. Okay, fair <laughs> I'll, enough. I'll cop to it. Uh, look, I, we've got we've got the same five, just having a look at it. we both got Sydney Stack at five, who we talked about a bit last year. That uh, He's got some pretty special talent, the Last kid. week, I assume you mean. Did I, what did I say? Last year. year. Yeah, okay. I yes. don't think either of us knew who we was We definitely weren't year. talking about him last year, but uh, he's got some special talent about him. He's really clean and really hard, and, and he's done quick, it. Quite every, damaging. He's done it every week since he's come in. He, when he, he came in in his first game, was good, and I thought, it's a guy who's kind of come from the clouds. The chances are he'll yeah. probably start drifting as it goes on, but there's been no indication don't of that. how he went undrafted. Just flat out don't. They're yeah. Apparently the WA uh, sort of... I know talent manager for underages. I don't know what the role is called. Rated him the best kid they had. Yeah. Which, and how does that guy go undrafted? And when you got a name like that, it stands off the page. Oh Surely that would uh, be a factor as well. It's like it's kind of like Shamo Woden's blonde hair. It just sticks out. You just you recognize it. You go, that's stardom right there. Yeah. No, he, he has been very impressive. Well, my four is I've got Constable at four. Yeah. Fair enough. Look, main reason being that one of my best mates is his, his cousin. So I'm a little bit biased there, but uh, I really do believe if he has been unbelievably stiff to have been dropped from yeah, Geelong. He's averaging twenty. There was what, twenty-three touches. Once he was like rested, that. once he was dropped, I hear that both were droppings. Yeah. Um. And he was a late in this week. He maintained yeah, being dropped. Yeah, um, but he's been terrific. He's got plenty of the footy. He doesn't look like he doesn't butcher it or anything. He he dominated against Melbourne. He's been fantastic. And I think if he hadn't been stiff with selection, I don't think both of us would just have him in our top five without he'd even be, thinking twice. He'd be a real shot to win the Rising Star. Yeah, like games played is probably what's going to cripple his case. Well, yeah, well, it will now, yes. But if he if he was able to put in a full season, which I think he deserves to do, yeah, he'd be looking like one of the best going around. Yeah, exactly. Um, my four is Grian. I only had four, mate. Too low. I've got him at three. <laughs> what do you mean only yeah. at four? Uh, like I love him. He's great. Like he, there, he unabashedly, great. he's great. I don't have a bad word to say about him. Like I, it's a really good class. Um, <laughs> he was awesome against us this week. He got the rising star nomination and quite deservedly so there was a couple of really good performances from kids in that game and yeah his ability to finish is fantastic he kicked this oh, he kicked one goal two and hit the post on two of them but one was his absolute bullet from outside 50 that he had half post height it's just an unbelievable he, he is proper good like he's not he's not frighteningly quick by any means. No. But he's very, very smart at where he goes, which His makes him look quicker. He's excellent. He's he a very smart forward. He, 
he must have a good tank, and I think I read that he was sort of second in their time trials over the summer. But he always manages to get yeah. to space. And as you said, his ability to find the goal is great. But like the more important thing about Grind yeah, is I... Well, he does, but I've learnt that I was correct. Of all of the arguments we have, this is probably our most important one, was why is his name Grind? Where did it come from? I uh, got yeah, interviewed yeah, yeah. on SEN today. Apparently, this is what he said, his parents... This, this I'm actually not joking. <laughs> Apparently, his parents were playing Scrabble and they thought Ryan looked good and then they thought, oh, it looks a little bit better with a G on the front. So I was right. I said it was heard. Ryan. They didn't think it was interesting enough. They wanted to whack a G. Brian, didn't I? I think he did, guess. yeah. Well, it was it was Brian that they just decided to replace the B with yeah, a G they, rather than Ryan exactly, adding the G. Yeah. So... uh I'm right again, Absolutely just like I was like, about I'll, the Bulldogs. I'll outright applaud you for that. This is Thank you. this is the smartest thing you've ever said, really. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll take it because it is, it is really smart. A just unbelievable story. I cannot believe either of us were right. Like, we <laughs> no, both legit, were that's what he said. outlandish takes. On KB and, and the You dock. were right, and it's just incredible. It is incredible. But yeah, he was my three. He was your three. Uh, Taron Thomas. Oh, my God. You have him ahead of Grian. Yeah, this, he'll oh be better. Oh, my God. He's going to be a star. Explain it. He's just unbelievably clean. He's hard. He's incredibly skilled. He's quick. Like he's just going to be awesome. He's a fantastic overhead mark. He's going to be a jet. Something I noticed with him, uh, he's quite smart with his body use a few yeah. times. A few times he's really put in a good like, block or he's just managed to block someone out to get the ball. And he's, he's- really good at... Sort of, if he's the guy at the ball and he does the quick hand pass off, he sort of turns it into a shepherd a lot as well and makes sure somebody mm. commits to him, which is not a big skill or anything, but it's just like it adds to what you're talking about. And he's so he's smart. probably bigger than what I expected as well. He's, I expect him to just be a he's skinny. Goods height. Yeah, okay. Like, but, and he's, but he's not like, for a first year player, he's not thin either. He's got a bit of size about him. Yeah, I think he will. Bulk up a little. Yeah, no, I think like, he will definitely. He, like he has the frame, but he's not. He's not tiny yeah. at the moment. I'm, yeah, no, I look. I, he does look good. He's no grind. Like uh, he's really exciting. And I'm gonna be honest. I could have almost come up with five <laughs> rising star eligible kids for North, and he's the one I went with. He <sighs> is the most exciting. Yeah, all right. One. Well, look, our both of our one and two. We've already had this argument before. Yeah, but let's have it real. Let's really have it. Really have it, are really we? So, have it. look, I believe Connor Rosie is the best kid of this crop. You believe it to be Sam Walsh? Yes. <laughs> Who starts? <laughs> so, I think last time we had this argument, it was based around a little bit around who is more because, like, both of them are electric talents and really, really good. Like, we're not. We've got them one on two in a class where talking is incredibly good for raw talent. We made this argument in relation to who's going to win the thing. And my point was that Sam Walsh is further ahead of the midfielders we've seen as kids come yep. through than Rosie is to the small forwards. I'm pretty confident with that opinion. Rosie is averaging... Uh, sorry. Walsh is averaging five more touches a game than Selwood did when he won. Selwood was talked about as one of the most impressive seasons from a junior. And yes, it's in a premiership team versus in... Carlton, but uh, Walsh has just been incredible. Look, I, I I believe you're reading into stats too much. That's pretty much what my thing comes down to. I believe when someone plays in the midfield as much as Walsh is doing at the moment, you're gonna have some really good looking stats as opposed to the rest of the crop. Well, I believe Rosie's phenomenal. Like I don't considerably I, better. I don't disagree with that. But in fair, so okay, the Selwood argument is a good one. When you showed me the stats of Selwood's first year, I was surprised. I thought it would be better mm. than that. I think the reason we remember Selwood so fondly was it's because he thing. was a midfielder in a Premiership but team in his Cripps first year. One did Cripps win over Hogan or did Hogan win? Hogan won. Well, yeah. It was either a way, very tight yeah, one. Either way, like Creeps was right up there, and he's sort of in the same bracket of kids we remember coming through and being really yeah. good in their rising star year. Walsh is averaging four more possessions than Creeps. Like, but I just, and it's it's slightly different because Creeps is. I think there are. Player. I just. I, I think there are. Uh, there aren't that many midfielders in their first. There aren't that many kids in their first year who are given a chance to be a full time midfielder. But so I don't believe that there's that many he's that he's batting playing, out. Like inside midfield though, he's like he's not playing the role where you're not normally given the. Well, chance. I don't think he. He's I don't think the plan is for him to be an inside midfielder. It's it's he'll to be. He'll do. He'll do absolutely. He'll do a little bit of both. But he's still 
He gets told, you are one of the guys in our midfield. You are one of our main men. You hunt the ball. You get the ball. Yeah. There aren't a lot of first-year kids who do it. Most of the time when they come in, they say, look, we can't quite squeeze you in the midfield. We'll give you a role at half forward or half back, and you'll kind of find a way to get yourself in the AFL system. And I think half forward being the role that Rosie's playing, it's so easy to just go missing playing that role, not know what you're doing, where he is, I believe he's impacting a game to a far higher level than what Walsh is doing. Walsh is just, he's floating around, he's getting a bit of the ball, he's being very, very good. He's been awesome. But Rosie's going bang and he's grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck. It's not like Port don't have kids they're playing through the midfield though. Like Willem Drew is getting a lot of midfield time and if Rosie was capable of it, He'd be getting something. But the, the chances are he's not. The chances are he doesn't have the tank. I get that. Which, that, that, when that says Walsh right now is more ready to play midfield. But I think in terms of the talent of Rosie, I, I think it's at a higher level. Who do you and think I will can, be better going forward? Because I think that's probably I, a more pertinent argument. I, I think, I, I would I would probably say Rosie. But I, I think like Walsh may be seen as better going forward because of the fact he's going to be a player who's going to rack up lots of stats. And everyone will be seeing him as a star. Where I think Rosie will be one of those players who's just... He'd be like a Robbie Gray, where he's yeah. he's a bit underrated because he doesn't get thirty five touches Gray every week. Robbie Gray is just about the only sort of half forward that's been able to play well enough to elevate into that conversation of genuine superstar of the competition. I, I, I would say Walters is in that bracket as well. I believe he is a very underrated player because he doesn't get the stats. But I don't think Walters Walters does either or, and I think that sort of muddies up his stats a little bit. He's Elite at both, like don't get me wrong, but he either is playing full time midfield some games or full time small forward. Uh, I don't this think year he actually he's plays, a bit more. Yeah, but I don't think he actually plays sort of that high half forward role that Rosie's yeah, okay. playing. But, like, I can just all I'm saying, I can see Rosie getting to that level, and I think that would be more valuable than what Walsh is doing. And I just think we're reading into stats too much. With That's Walsh. fair enough. But Walsh is. They're both awesome. Gar- yeah, he's <laughs> almost guaranteed to be a 30-touch-a-game player. Yeah, and he'll he's going to be a star. I don't doubt that at all. It'll be interesting to see how high he goes. But anyway, let's move on. Geelong defeated North by 24 points. Um, yeah, honourable loss for us. Yeah, you're pretty pleased with it, aren't you? Um, we would have beaten most teams in the competition yeah. playing that way. We gave them everything they'd want in the contest. We were pretty incisive at times through their back line, which is the best in the competition as it stands. Richmond just doesn't exist anymore, so they're sort of a TKO. Yeah, okay. Um, Brown had his first good game against Geelong ever, which was pleasing to see. Yeah. Kicked five goals he in four games. He did kick five, yeah. In four games before that. Um, okay, we can get kick five yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, it, it was just, we were good. We blew a lot of chances. We easily could have won the game. And Geelong beat us because they're a very, very good team, not yeah. because we weren't. Good. And they didn't blow chances. That's <laughs> what they did. The expected score stat done by Champion Data had us winning by two goals. And that. Well, can you explain this expected so score thing? They every shot anyone takes, they go with his historical with a reference to what's every shot that's been taken from the same position. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not sure what pressure... Like, I don't know the method, but so, pressure, I assume, comes under it okay. as well. But they say, so, how likely were you to kick a goal? Like, and so it's unexpected yeah, value. So they're separating the difference between setting up scoring shots and actually the yeah, finishing so off. If you're having a heap of shots outside 50 on the boundary, you're not expecting those yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, so it's very much lends quite well to what I was telling you last week, that Geelong are just a little bit too good at the moment. It's a little bit too but perfect. They're just finishing everything. That's not going to last for the year. But I, this is the only time I've seen, I, I've gone to their game and gone, they're not creating great shots, but they're kicking them. Like that's not normally my takeaway. From it's not so much game. not taking good. It's it's not so much the actual shots I, I being taken, but they're just they're super clean and super clinical, and there's very little that's breaking down. I, I agree they're just with finding that. a way to goal but always. I think they were finding a way to goal this week. There was sort of forty five meters out, whereas in the past it's been thirty meters out. Yeah, and I, I that's quite heartening as a North supporter. Like I think we defended quite well against them in a lot of ways, even though we conceded a hundred points, but. They were just really good. And it does happen that sides just have great days in front of goals. Yeah. This was one of them. But uh, I don't think that's a knock against them long-term the way you do. Yeah. I, I think they've been varied enough 
Like, this is the first time I've seen it this way. I'd not... Like, if this was all that was happening, I'd go, yeah... Yeah, I expect this to run out. It's, it, look, it's hard to classify it as a knock on them. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. Like, they're obviously playing unbelievably well. I'm you very impressed. I think they're a very good team. I just, I, to be honest, I feel like they're playing almost perfect football at the moment, and it's not the right time of year to be doing that. No, that's that's true. what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was just generally pretty happy. Nick Larkey was really good for North, and he's a, been a bright spot the last three weeks. He yep, had he'll be in for a while now. Oh, if he gets dropped for the rest of the year, and it's not like a rest. Yeah, Brad Scott should Fair. be fired. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just. This is probably the happiest I've been after a performance outside of the week before. Uh, something, just something positive to say about North, which is a little oh, bit. Oh wow! Odd. Well, I just something which I have actually disagreed with. There's been a lot of media commentary around how stupid you were to go after all of these players mm. because you thought you were close to a premiership or you were thereabouts, and you needed to go after established yeah. players to give you that lift, like. I get that argument if you're trading away all of your draft picks and not getting one, anyone in through the yeah. draft. That's not what you're doing. You've actually done like a multi-pronged approach. Like you've brought in some kids. You've got Taron Thomas. You've yeah, got Davies Uniac. Five you've guys got that Larky. I could see getting a right. Yeah. Start. We've already got Zerhar and Bailey Scott. I yeah, expect, Bailey Scott. Yeah. yeah, I expect Taron Thomas will get one. Larky could get one the way he's playing and so could LDU. Yeah. Like, and that's... That's enough blood coming through to make you optimistic about yeah. the future. You haven't, you haven't done. People seem to be suggesting that you've given up on the draft in order to go after established players no. to get yourself a I don't flag. Think we've now, not taken a I, first round pick. We had blew some, like we pretty conclusively blew some. Yeah, over yeah. a sort of three or four year period. That's really hurting us now. But Which like our approach at the moment, I don't think is incorrect. A little bit of a positive take by me on North Melbourne. Yeah, I'm actually shocked. I think I might edit it. You, you've you've got a weird of, little grit on your face at I the moment. I might edit it, cut it out, and just sort of play well, anyway, it something. Way, Whenever I'm feeling down. Way too much of that. I feel sick. Let's move on. Uh, Hawthorne oh. defeated GWS by 33 points. It's not going to stop me from feeling sick. How yeah. the hell did this happen? Oh, I don't know. Alistair Clarkson's really good. He's a wizard. <laughs> That's... I, you were struggling for a Kane Corns take, and I suggested you say that, but that fell under the two obvious categories, so we couldn't go with it. They are staggeringly good performance by Hawthorne. GWS, though, a knock on them. This is their worst performance of the year by a mile. Yeah, it is, and uh, their MCG record is start- It's getting to that point now where it's properly worrying. It's yeah. not like they barely play there. It'll just be fine. And like, if you lose finals... That's one thing because if you're playing finals, you're playing against good sides. Yeah. And that is not a, like everyone's home record is sort of distorted by the fact that half the teams you play at home are rubbish. So their home record always looks better than your away record because the just the weighted numbers for yep. that. GWS shouldn't be losing these games though. This is a mid season game against a team that's probably one of the six worst in the league. I gotta say, like, I do understand. It does make some sense to me that they don't use the G that well because there are, in terms, that they're a running side, but there are different types of running sides. There are some who are really good at getting on the switch and then yeah. spreading to the other side of the ground and getting around the outside You're of the right. zone. Where GWS are more of a, so yeah, they're a team who like to run through the corridor, and the NCG is a really big ground, so they're not they're not using the spread as much, and then Hawthorne you are would, really smart at using their balls to get around a zone. Yeah, they're incredibly you, you good at that. You would think that if teams have to spread because it's a really wide ground, there'd be more room through the corridor. Like, maybe, Hawthorne, maybe Clarkson's good enough that he was able to set it up a bit narrower because he knows that that's... Yeah, and I guess they just don't use the width of the ground enough. Like, yeah. That's more of a knock on them. It was wet, and they're not a team particularly suited to playing in the wet like, there, there were a couple of things that had no wit feel. Like, there are a few things here and there. I think Jeremy, has been banged up a lot and he's managed to sort of get through yeah, those injuries. I mean, but Josh he's not Kelly's best. playing not at full capacity yep, either. Yeah, for sure. So, like, they're three best midfielders and arguably they're three best players along with Cameron. Yeah. Have all been sort of not at full capacity. And Cameron possibly got concussed <laughs> during the game and played it through. But he was down as well. Yeah through sort of physical ailment. So there's that, but I don't think that is good enough for this loss. Yeah, I mean, considering how bad the game of footy between Melbourne and Hawthorne was last week, I was thinking Mm. this was a certainty for GWS. So they would be really, really disappointed with that. 
Yeah, and Alistair Clarkson's a wizard. Yep, pretty much all you <laughs> can say about that defeated game. defeated Fremantle by 25 points. Another disappointing result. Was it only 25 in the end? It yeah. got to the point it looked like it was going to really blow I think out. they got a couple of late ones, but this is an incredibly good performance by Richmond. Yeah. They had no one. They lost players during the game. They're winning games they just absolutely shouldn't. This is a tough game going to Fremantle, and they did really well. Yeah, the the culture stuff is really starting to shine through with Richmond, isn't it? Mm. When you get to this point, like they are properly decimated with injury, and they're, they're a different type of decimated. Like, for example, Melbourne, we have a serious amount of injuries, but it's not our stars. Yeah. Where Richmond's top end has been completely and utterly destroyed. And then the one who's still in there is Dusty, and he's just not playing well at the moment. Yeah. He's, he's down, and they've just... They just—they're just so well coached, and their systems are always so good that they always keep themselves in the game. And then they're just playing with such heart. Early on in this game, the ferocity of the contest and the pressure that they were applying on Fremantle was—you know—Richmond at their best. Yeah, they really, really went at it for sort of the first ten minutes and kicked four goals from that. Really jumped, and in the end, it was the difference. And really, it was just. But- Frio then turned it around and looked like they were yeah. going to get on top. And Richmond's ability to fight through that momentum swing. With, it, be with Nank easy. being down as well. Yeah, Nank going down, Ross going down. And with the crowd starting to warm into the game, yeah. the hardest crowd to play is a crowd sort of sensing a comeback, I reckon. It's a crowd that has been on their edge. You've done well to keep them out of it for the first bit. When they get that sniff that they're going to go at it, I think that's the most excitable crowd in the sort of in any sport, and they really had that on their back, and they still stared it down and won. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. as you say, the way that they set it up from the start, it was uh, at the contest, Fremantle looked really on the back foot because every time the ball was fed to someone on the outside of a contest, mm. it was just like there were just Richmond players on them, and they kept. it was one of those things they just kept getting forced back because they just kept getting yeah. pushed further and further on the back foot. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, as you say, to be able to respond, even though Frio were playing some pretty reasonable footy through the middle of the game and then to, to kill the game that they did in the last quarter. Really annoying. Just really annoying. I keep just waiting for that final, you know, death to come upon Richmond and they just keep finding ways be, to keep going. Like, I'm hoping. It, I think it's going to be a gradual decline. The worry is... Eventually the energy will just be sucked out yeah, of there. Yeah, and, and, and the worry is that sort of round 16, they might have everyone back. Because most of them have only been eight-week injuries are the best. And then they sort of click running into finals. If they're in the bottom half of the eight, which I think they're every chance of still making and probably likely to make it, as disheartening as that is, they are a team that would have the pedigree and would be good enough to give yeah. going all the way an actual shot. It's just a lot has to go right. They have yeah. to the right players back. They have to be together long enough to be able to click and get that they're system going again. they still got to fix again, the re-wall but... lynch combination yeah lynch was really good this week he was really ragged on him last week but uh you know that's the sort of uh, energy we bring out of players yeah that's there's nothing worse than getting ragged on by the plebs it really seems yeah. to motivate yeah, it would have shook him up a fair bit yeah. maybe we should give billy a bit of a touch up to see, <laughs> see <laughs> never <if>. never never <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get to poochie's mailbag now, this one's pretty well targeted at you scott in the formula Given 11 out of the last 12 teams featured in uh, have been interstate teams, how do you respond to accusations that your gold hoodie green toga segment is just you not caring about football outside of Victoria? Ouch! I mean, God. It stings because it's a little true. Oh, like, there's there's a lot of layers that hurt about this. I mean, bringing the integrity of gold jacket, green jacket into disrepute hurts, but what's this gold hoodie green toga rubbish? I don't mind it. Who, who asked this question? <laughs> uh, this was Dan from uh, Melbourne. He goes for Brisbane, though, so that's why he cares. I don't know. Yeah, it's a real bar. But look, I don't make any... Uh, I don't apologize at all for what the formula is. The idea of the formula is it's meant to talk about relevant games and games which are of interest. Part of that is the games which the media talk about, which people yeah, talk about, true. which generates discussion. To be and- fair to you, four out of the six clubs in it this week were... Um, we're Melbourne side, so the the ledger's a little bit more in your favour this this week. You, you, you stay. It's, it's a good week for this question to be asked. It's inevitable that I'm talking about games which generate some discussion and generate a bit of interest. Of course, there's going to be more Melbourne teams in there because that's what happens with the media and that's what happens in the football landscape. Mm, it's not my some... fault. It's not the formula's fault. It's the fault of everybody else, all right? So I'm not happy about that at all. Anyway, question for you, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> 
Are Carlton or Tasmania closer to an AFL premiership? Well, according to uh, Jeff Kennedy, who thinks the AFL's against Hawthorne, then going to ship them down to Tasmania. Maybe, maybe Hawthorne will get there first. Nah, nah. The question's just all about how how grim North Melbourne are looking at the moment. And how quickly <laughs> they'll beat a Tasmania and then uh, maybe they'll overtake yeah. Carlton. Um, look, I do think North are close to the flag. <laughs> 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 but uh, Tasmania a real shot because it's not like Carlton have a culture of uh, sustained improvement. But you do have to give the... Uh, Give the lead to the side that actually exists. Yeah, Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you give the points to Carl. You give it to him. Just. They get, they get points for existing. Uh, one for you. How many weeks in a row can Gary Ablett elbow blokes in the head and not get suspended? The listener who sent this in, Pooch, is uh, tipping four. He thinks that's the boiling point. Well, as we just talked about, it's just all about the level of force. If he puts in insufficient force, he can do it for the rest of his life. That's the way the system is and how it's in place. I thought they were ruling out off-ball uh, incidents where all those little punches and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but that was more just like the turning around and whacking someone like a mile off the ball. Like, this was like the ball would yeah. just pass and then he kind of followed through with the elbow. Endless, yeah. Look, I find it really, really odd. I really do. He hasn't been suspended his entire career and then twice in the two booing. weeks. First time he's been sustained, sustainably attacked. Maybe, but he just—he doesn't look unhappy. He doesn't really look angry yeah, out he's there. He's playing his best football in a couple I, of years. I, I, like he's in a good side for the first time in a long time. Maybe it's just the thing of they're putting a real heat on him to put on forward pressure. He hasn't done that for a lot of his life, and now he just doesn't really know how to do it, and he's getting a bit sloppy with it. I don't Maybe. know. Back when it's, Scott it's said it's part of their technique. You're just not supposed to hit them in the head. You're supposed to sort of lead with the forearm to give them a shove and block them in the body. But It's not great technique, is it? I don't know. Put, put the hip in there. Yeah, I don't know. And also don't jump to elbow people in the head, which has been the yeah, situation look, both yeah, times. He hasn't been great. But anyway, Rory. How does Hawthorne... You, you like this question. Oh, I'm so excited for this question. How does Hawthorne, with 80,000 members, only get 14,000 people to a home game at the MCG? Are the Hawthorne bandwagoners falling off? This is legitimately pathetic. To <laughs> it's pretty crowd. bloody low, like, isn't it? The, if North got that crowd, we'd get told we're getting relocated. Yep. Like, that, that's the talk anytime North No, it's just because the AFL are trying to cripple Hawthorne, eh? Yeah, but possibly. Look, it was wet. There were the train lines weren't running that well. It was Mother's Day, still, and it was GWS. Still, you have eighty thousand members. You got what? Ten percent, twenty percent of them to show up. That's disgusting. This became incredibly obvious for me last year in the Melbourne Hawthorne final. We absolutely clearly outnumbered them. They have twice as many members as us, mm. and we clearly outnumbered them. The crowd. They are the biggest bandwagon. They do seem it. I mean, all all And it's a massive bandwagon because they've won so much over the last 50 years. It might just be as simple as that. that They've had enough success. There are enough people who are just like, oh, yeah, I'll pay up for it, but I don't really care. Yeah. But that's not good. Like... No, because now if they have a period of sustained non-success, then they'll drop off like crazy. Their membership would easily look like Carlton's does if they're no good for five, ten years. And Carlton don't look massively bigger than sort of the St Kilda North Dogs tier. Even your membership, not accounting for your MCC side of it, yep. is in that range too. Yep. Like Carlton have 50,000 members. Everyone else, those lot, is in the 40s. Like that's not a big gap. And Hawthorne could easily come to that. And I think that's probably more where they sit. They're not an actual big club. They're a medium club. They turn out... A lot of people will be upset that. to hear you say that, but yeah. Yeah, but they can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Banjo. Angry Banjo. Nothing worse than Hawthorne. We also got a question from Pooch bragging about Tigers playing through injuries, but screw that. Yeah. I'm not asking it. Screw Poochie, yeah. Go ahead, battle uh, situation. On to... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we keep finding him, but uh, question off the Facebook page, battle situations with unexpected handicaps. All four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... But their hands have all been stapled together. Versus the six original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But they can only attack two and have no morphing abilities. So, a few questions. Yeah, there are a few issues with this yeah. one. Um, I think no, this I, is... So, I'm not the author. I want to make that clear. Yep, yep. You're not that stupid. Um, <laughs> this is the most imbalanced one I can remember, to be honest. So this is six people doing whatever attack two is. We assume it's a move from the Power Rangers. No, I, I think it means they can only attack two of the Ninja Turtles. 
But then they're obviously going to lose. Yeah, but I suppose if their hands are stapled together, look, like, yeah. They're I, Ninja Turtles. Kicking, <laughs> flying kick is, is part mean? of karate and part of, I know, ju- well, it's not Oh, but it's not that easy kicking a lot when your hands are stapled they together. They are Because right? you're kind of reliant frogs, on each other's turtles. It would like, get you flying they around a little bit. They have super strength in everything, whereas these people can't even morph. They're not super anything. They're just yeah. people. So it's just six dudes attacking four ninjas with their hands stapled four together. Four giant They have two more ninjas. people. It's not close. They have two more people. I don't know. I think it's it, closer than you think. So I don't know Power Rangers all that well. If they don't have any super strength or anything when they're not morphed, they get absolutely stomped. No, yeah, they had, look, it, all it comes down to, as I said, it just comes down to there are six just normal people attacking four Ninja Turtles, but their hands are stapled together. Like they don't have their weapons. The Ninja, they're not the Ninja Turtles. The, um,. Like, or Power Rangers use weapons, they use guns. And I assume if they haven't stuff. morphed, they don't have them. I'm yeah, guessing. so they're just normal people taking on Yeah, giant but there's an extra turtles. two of them, and the other ones have their hands stapled together. That's quite a big handicap. So I think you you're can underestimating. Still move your arms, right? So all they have well, to do kind is they, of, if they get in trouble. It's, it's all, not easy to do. I would like to see how you go stapling your hand to someone yeah, and getting look, in a fight. Hurt. But if they get it's in trouble, easy, all they mate. have to do is turn around and they can't get wounded. They've got shells. Oh, oh you're just using the whole... Sh- the, the, the people They are giant superhuman turtles. I'm going to show you some footage. The things they can do <laughs> is not comparable to a human. Like, the, the lore of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Yeah, okay. I might not know the Ninja Turtles well enough. Super- that might be an issue. Like, they have extra two people, mate. Yeah, but they're not. They're just normal people. They are just normal people. Whereas yeah. the Ninja Turtles are Ninja Turtles, and they're giant. <laughs> I don't deny that that point. Bandit. And they got the stamina of teenagers. Are they giant? How big are they? They're bigger than humans. They're like eight feet tall or something. Really? Yeah, they're huge. Oh, it does help. Oh, fine. Look, you know more about the Ninja They've Turtles still than got me, the body so slam I'll defer up to there, you. Up there in their arsenal. Imagine getting body slammed by it. All sure. right, all right. Look, you know this more than me, so I'll you, defer to you, but I think it's more like interesting you've than you're saying. you Mario. When the turtles go in that <laughs> go into their shell and spin around, they clean up Mario. All I'm saying is that's a valid tactic as well. Whilst your hands are stable yeah, together. Yeah, probably can't get them in the shell. Yeah, righto, Banjo, righto. But anyway, let's, let's, finish, let's finish this pod. Anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to the 99th Plebs on Footy podcast. We look forward to seeing you next Woo! week. 100 next week. Gotta be excited. We'll try and do something special, but we'll probably be too lazy to think about When's it. When's my Josh Kelly party? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening.